ESPN. Sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. It is the Scoop Podcast here on Score North, the all-new Score North, scorenorth.com. That's score with a K. And 1500 AM. It is the Scoop Podcast, episode 218. On this first Friday of April, the 5th of April, it is Final Four Weekend. Final Four Weekend is here. Many coaches are in town, including one of my favorites, Dave Thorson, former D. LaSalle head coach, one of the all-time great high school coaches in Minnesota basketball history, former Gophers assistant coach under Clem Haskins way back when. He is now an assistant coach at Colorado State. Lots to get to with Dave Thorson, including previewing tomorrow's two semifinal games. Let's get to Dave right now. Dave, thanks for doing this. Thanks for catching up with me. All right, let's start with two individuals you're incredibly close to, two guys that you coached in high school at DLSL, Gino Crandall and Reed Travis. I mean, what about the heartbreak, right? I mean, I thought both guys might be here in Minneapolis this weekend at the Final Four, both guys having a legitimate chance to win a national championship yet there was the heartbreak over the weekend both guys losing in the elite eight well first Doogie, it's great to, great to talk to you um and, and obviously i love connecting with all the minnesota basketball fans yeah it was a it was a tough tough two days to be honest for for um the deal cell basketball family because you know those guys are are they've worked so hard um and and obviously you know some of the decision making in terms of where they went as grad transfers was uh, trying to get back to Minneapolis. And so, you know, for both of them, um, you know, tough, tough, a tough way to end it. That being said, uh, both of those guys are, you know, they're, they're incredible people. Uh, they're, they're guys that are going to continue their basketball careers, obviously. And so it's not a, you know, it, it's not an ending of a career for either. You know, I think there's another, basketball chapter two left in, in, in their book, but um, yeah, but I, I'm with you. It was a hard, hard, hard to see it end from a collegiate perspective uh, in the way that it did for both of them. It was a painful reminder, Dave, how razor thin the margin is, right? Like we could easily be talking about Kentucky and Gonzaga here. I mean, think about all the Elite Eight games, right? We easily could be talking about a Final Four of who? Duke, Gonzaga, Kentucky, and who? I guess it would be Purdue, right? Like nobody would be shocked if we were talking about those four teams being here, not the four teams that are here. I mean, those Elite Eight games were all just phenomenal games. Well, you know, it's a, it is a, it, it, you know, it's a possession by possession uh, championship in some sense. And I, you know, I, I've been saying this all along, uh, to the guys that I've coached that, you know, championships many times come down to five possessions or less in a game. And we call them winning plays here at Colorado state. You've got to, you know, those five winning plays, you've got to get to that 50, 50 ball. You've got to make the right decision. Uh, you know, it's not just making a basket. Um, you know, there are a lot that goes into those things. And so, uh, indeed, uh, that, that's why it's just, it, it's so tough. And I'll be honest, I wanted a final five, not a final four, because I'll throw Sakar Annam in at Marquette and, and obviously Gabe Kelscher at Minnesota uh, and Gonar Mar as well, although he got hurt. Uh, so I, I would have liked to see a final five or six, actually, with all those guys yeah, still I mean, playing much- because they're, they're, they're all near and dear to my heart. I know they are. I mean, how much pride do you take in seeing all the guys that you have coached playing at such a high level? 
you know, the neat part about it is that they have all, they've all shared in it together. And there's a connectivity that, that uh, exists in the culture of, of De La Salle basketball. And, and it's not just me. I mean, there, there are a lot of people that have, you know, have helped build that over the years. And, uh, and I think what's so cool is that, you know, multiple generations of guys that are actually connected in a way that, you know, <clears throat> there, there was more than just me pulling for those guys. I can tell you that. And, and, and they'll draw strengths from that group as well in terms of, you know, uh, moving on in terms of their basketball futures. But, uh, indeed, uh, I'm blessed that I've had the chance to coach guys, uh, uh, you know, they're having those kinds of experiences. I'll give you one more name, Dave. What about Jarvis Johnson, right? Like his personal doctor cleared him. It was just unfortunate. Now, I guess he could have transferred at some point. So I guess credit to him for, for sticking it out and wanting to get his education at the University of Minnesota, helping Richard Patino and his staff behind the scenes. But I just wish we could have seen Jarvis Johnson play some college basketball. Well, you know, Jarvis, um, you know, if you look at the ratings and things of that sort, I mean, you know, he was, he was rated extremely high. And, um, you know, the thing that I'm proud of is that Jarvis, took his role very seriously at Minnesota and, and helped contribute to that team's success. I think in particular this year as a, a senior, I, I'm, I'm going to be awfully uh, proud for him um, when he graduates in the spring. You know, he's, he's kept his nose to the grindstone in, in a situation where some might have lost it. And so I'm, 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 I'm so grateful to Richard and the University of Minnesota that you know, they put him in a position to, to be successful and that he'll graduate this spring. We're talking with Dave Thorson, assistant coach, Colorado State. All right, Dave, let's look at the two semifinal games at U.S. Bank Stadium. How do you size up these two matchups? You know, you know when you look at the teams, uh, you know, the first thing that stands out to me is that you've got uh, a lot of veterans playing. And so you get back to what we talked about initially. There's a lot that goes into advancing and and whether it's, it's shot-making is what everyone thinks of to begin with. But I, you know me, I, I look at it from a defensive perspective. And so, you know, with, with a week to prepare, you've got teams like, uh, you know, in all four of them actually, when you think about what they do defensively, um, I, I think it's, it, it's going to be a battle that way. The, the other thing that happens in a, uh, in, a, in a setting is that, you, you know, you get to an even bigger stadium uh with u.s bank and so i think shooting's always impacted by that um you know the 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 big 10 the the grind of the big 10 season makes me think that michigan state may have a slight advantage um over texas tech and um and i I love the way that virginia plays um and there's part of me that thinks that this might be their year with the, the journey that they've had going from going from losing to a 16 seed a year ago and, and then going through the process and the journey that they have. So, you know, those are two teams that, that my gut tells me are, are probably maybe have a little bit better chance to get to Monday. I mean, I tend to agree with you. Like, if you're if you're asking me who am I picking this weekend, it's Michigan State and it's Virginia. I think those two teams will meet on Monday for the national championship. But I don't say that with a ton of conviction, Dave. Like, to me, you can make a case for any of these four teams. That's what makes this weekend so intriguing. Like, you can make a case. I'm not picking Auburn to win it all, but I don't think you're an idiot if you make a case for Auburn winning the national championship on Monday or Texas Tech. I think that's what makes this so entertaining, so enticing this weekend where we just don't know who is going to win. No, you know, and, and it is, uh, uh, I, I'm into the preparation and the, the game planning and the scheming of it. 
And again, these coaches, I mean, you've got four outstanding coaches, you know, and people might not be as familiar with, with, with Chris Beard at, at, uh, Texas Tech, but I can tell you that, um, when you watch his teams play, they're so fundamentally sound. You've got, you got, uh, he along with Izzo, who's a Hall of Famer, and then obviously, you know, Tony and, and Bruce that have, have proven over time that they're outstanding coaches. So, um, it, it's going to be, it, it'll be a great Saturday semifinal, that's for sure. All right, you know defense. I mean, you brought it up. I mean, defense is your bread and butter. Can you break down what makes Virginia and Texas Tech, those two teams specifically, what makes those two teams so good defensively? Well, you know, it's 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 that they're so connected. And, you know, I, actually, if anyone follows my Twitter, I, you know, I put something up. Um, you know, you, you guard a ball screen with five defenders, for example, and, and both of those teams, and they do it a little bit different. Uh, Texas Tech is going to pressure you. They're going to influence a little bit more to the baseline. Uh, Virginia is going to uh, play a little bit more head up and play on their pack line. Uh, but they've got all five. In, in each instance, they've got all five of their uh, defenders engaged in terms of stopping uh, you know, what's going on offensively, and that's why they're so successful. When you say pack line, can you define – what pack line means because we are going to hear pack line a ton the next 24 to 48 hours, you know, related to Virginia and the defense they play. Can you break down what that means? Pack line defense. So, so giving a visual, um, if you think about the three point line, the, the pack line actually tends to be a little bit small, a, a little bit underneath what would be the three point line where uh, Virginia is going to load the lane and again, uh, in, in keeping all of those five defenders engaged, uh, they're going to pressure the ball. So whoever's defending the ball is going to be out probably not farther than the, the pack line or maybe right to the three-point line. But those other four defenders are going to probably have a foot in the, the actual lane itself. So they've got that. that, that and, and the pack line essentially is, is you know how far they're going to extend their pressure. Um, uh, Again, uh, depending on the defender as well, you know, maybe there might be a guy like when they bring Clark in, he, he tends to, to be a little bit more aggressive and to, and to heat the ball up. Uh, but but that, that, in a sense, gives you sort of an, an idea of, of, you know, what the pack line is all about. Is there a glue guy that comes to mind? I mean, I think a lot of people listening are aware of, you know, whether it's Culver from Texas Tech or Winston from Michigan State or Guy or Hunter or Jerome from Virginia, or the two guards for Auburn, Brown and Harper. But is there a glue guy or two that come to mind, I mean, when looking at all four teams, where you can say, okay, that guy or those guys are going to make a big difference? Well, uh, you know, a couple of things stood out to me in watching uh, uh, Michigan State, for example. I don't think there's been enough discussion about how physical their big guys have played. You know, Tillman in particular was so active in his ball screen defense um, and, and just being active and ready to help. So he, I thought he really stood out. And, and Michigan State's bigs were extremely physical against a deep team that, you know, obviously has, you know, a guy that's an absolute freak in Zion, Zion Williamson. Um, and the other thing that stands out, I think, with Virginia is that they've got a, a rim protector in Diakati who, you know, if you look at his uh, black shot percentage, for example, um, it's one of the top in the country. And, and so I think it's allowed Virginia to maybe be just a little bit tougher in terms of their two-point field goal defense. So 
you know, those are the two things that stood out watching the games over the weekend. How much do you feel for Matt Painter of Purdue? I mean, Ryan Klein is at the free throw line. I mean, this excellent shooter, if he just makes two free throws, right? Purdue is likely here this weekend. He misses one of two. Then they played it perfectly. I don't know where you stand on when to foul, when not to foul. Went up three, but the way that thing played out for Diacate to, you know, bat the ball way back, then for Virginia's point guard to make the great one-hand pass, for Diacate to get the shot off to make the shot, and for Ty Jerome to miss the free throw the way he missed it. I don't even know if he was trying to miss it on purpose, but the way he missed it to allow Virginia to bat the ball back, like so many things had to go right for Virginia just to force overtime, then to win in overtime. But, I mean, if you're Matt Painter even days later, Dave, I'm just thinking you have to be pulling your hair out. Well, he'll he'll relive that that play for sure. And unfortunately, for those of us that choose coaching as a profession, I think we 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 remember the losses and, and those plays that go into those close losses probably more so than we do the 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 wins. I think that's what drives us as competitors. Uh, you know, from a coaching perspective, whatever it is you choose to do, whether it's foul, uh, whether it's late game situations, and particular executions. What I can say is that you have to practice those things, and, and I'm not indicting Purdue. I'm, I think it's hard to practice for a situation like that. But what I can tell you is that, you know, that's where that game prep is so important, you know. Uh, and ironically, Matt, Matt and I are friends. Um, many people probably at Minnesota don't remember this, but we actually had Matt on campus as a recruit. Oh, really? When I was in the system. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Matt, Matt was a great high school player in Indiana. Um, he and Ryan Wolf, who we eventually signed, were friends. And so we had Matt uh, on, a, on, on a visit with Coach Haskins and another one of my great friends, Silas McKinney, who was an assistant at the time and did a great job of uh, recruiting Matt. Um, so I've, I've known Matt a long time. What a quality guy, quality individual. So to be honest, it, it hurt even a little bit more uh, because I, I know I know how hard Matt works at it and what kind of person he is, um, and, and so like I said, I, I'm sure he will. That moment's going to come back uh, again and again. It just they don't just go away uh, when you're competitive like he is, and like I think a lot of Division One coaches are. Dave, I'll let you go after a couple more. Are you allowed to talk about David Roddy? Did he officially sign the young man from Breck who will join you guys next year? I can I can uh, I can talk about David. We are so excited to get him. He is such a he's such a wonderful young man. He's a, he's the total package in terms of a competitor uh, and, and also uh, you know he, he just and everything he chooses to do he seeks excellence. And so we're so excited to get him out here uh, and, and and get him. Uh, uh, it, Ram basketball is just going to be better with with him on the floor. I can tell you that. I mean, was that an interesting time? I mean, not only did you have to fight off a Gophers offer, Northwestern, but you had to fight off Wyoming, right, on the football side. I mean, he is such a good quarterback that if David Roddy wanted to, he could have easily played high-level college football. I think I think what happened in his recruiting, actually, is that, you know, some people weren't quite sure what he was going to do, and, and, uh, and we didn't know either, um, but I was so convinced after watching him play, and, and I watched him play a lot, I was convinced that, uh, that, you know, he would be a difference maker from a basketball perspective. And so it was worth the effort to just continue to recruit him as a top-level guy. He was, he was at the top of our board the whole time. Um, you know, we were, we were really pleased to get him out here actually early 
um, in, in the recruiting um, cycle. And I think there were some schools that actually wanted to wait to see what he was going to do with football. And we just told him, hey, no, we want you here. And so um, he, he is, he's a leader. Uh, he's a competitor. You know, I'm hoping that he makes the state track meet, obviously, as well. He did that uh, last year. He's just a, he's kind of a throwback that way in terms of being a multi-sport athlete. And we can't wait to get him here. I'll leave you with this. I mean, speaking of here, being there in Colorado, at Colorado State, I mean, is is being back in the college game, I mean, is it what you thought it would be, Dave? Are you enjoying your time? I mean, first at Drake, I mean, you win all those state championships, have all the success at DLSL, but then you end up at Drake, and now you're at Colorado State. Are you enjoying being back in the college game? How can anyone ever complain about being able to to be a basketball coach 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right. and, you know, and I, I, I'm so lucky. I get to work with someone who's a close friend. You know, Nico and I have, have been close friends for, you know, over 25 years. And so it's just been awesome. And Colorado is spectacular. I'm looking out of my office right now at the Rocky Mountains that are literally, you know, five minutes from Moby Arena where we play. So it, it's really a unique campus, 33,000 students, uh, and super supportive, obviously, of, of basketball. And the Mountain West is a great league. There are NBA players on every team. So it's, it's basketball nirvana for me. Uh, I just love it. And on Nico, I mean, Nico Medved, I mean, is he, you know, a lot of people might not know of him, but, but yeah, you go back, what, 25 years? I mean, go back to, was he a graduate assistant? What was his role with the Gophers? I and mean, is he one of those rising <laughs> stars in the business? He was, you know, he was, and, and, and we've had role reverse actually, because he was kind of my right hand uh, when I was an assistant at Minnesota, and, and we've had role reversal. He is, he is such a, a bright basketball mind, and offensively in particular, he has a, a great handle of, of putting players in a position where they can, they can be successful, and he's just a great guy to work with. He stands for the values uh, that I think are so important uh and that you draw from being a college athlete. So it's just been a, it's been a great experience, and, and I don't think there's any doubt that I think we're going to turn this thing around here. We, we're so excited about our recruiting class. We've got one of the best post players in the country, and Nico Carvacho, and again, you know, that's, that's something that I, I've just loved working with him because I love post play and, and working on the skill set. Uh, he led the country in rebounding. So it, it, it's just been awesome for me here. Dave, this was fun. Thank you so much. Doogie, just appreciate your energy around Minnesota basketball, too, at all levels. Not many guys can say they've been in the back gym at De La Salle uh, watching skill workouts at 100 degrees, but you can. <laughs> so I appreciate you. Thank you, Dave. Yeah, fun times indeed. Trust me, that is not work watching those guys grind in 100-degree weather in that back gym. That cave at DLSL, but those guys work incredibly hard. It is not surprising that so many DLSL kids have success in the college game. That was former DLSL head coach, current Colorado State assistant coach, former Gophers assistant coach back in the day, Dave Thorson. We will continue the Final Four talk, college basketball talk. Jared Nunes was a great player back in the day for Hopkins. He is now on the Baylor staff. Baylor in the Big 12. He has intimate knowledge about Texas Tech and others. So we will talk to Jared Nunes when we come back here on the Scoop Podcast. 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Scoop Podcast here on Score North, the all-new Score North, 1500 AM on your conventional radio dial. We bring you the Scoop Podcast every Friday night during the 6 o'clock hour. Shameless plug, I also do at least one, if not multiple, other episodes during the week. Episode 217, posted on Monday night, I caught up with former Wolves head coach Sam Mitchell. Sam was great on Andrew Wiggins, how to salvage Andrew Wiggins. Plus, Sam is now an assistant coach at the University of Memphis. So he was great breaking down Michigan State and the other Final Four teams. So if you want to listen to that, it's available anywhere you get your podcast. So iTunes, Spotify, it's certainly on scorenorth.com. It's on kstp.com. KSTP Television is my A job. So if you go to the sports page on kstp.com, there's a link to the podcast. Also, I tweeted a link to the podcast. My Twitter handle, dwolfson, KSTP. Let's continue the Final Four theme. Hey, the Final Four is only here every number of years, the first time in many years. So let's continue the Final Four theme. A good friend is Jared Nunes. He is on the Baylor staff. He has been at Baylor for the last handful of seasons. Former head coach in the Metro, where? At Park Center, Bloomington Kennedy. He was a great player back in the day at Hopkins High School. So he knows Minnesota basketball well. He knows college basketball well. He certainly knows Texas Tech very well because Baylor beat Texas Tech in one of their meetings in the regular season. They also got blown out at Texas Tech. So he can give us some good detail on Texas Tech and how Michigan State can beat Texas Tech. What is the key or keys? to beating Texas Tech. So let's welcome into the conversation, Jared Nunes. Jared, in the introduction, bringing you into the conversation, I mentioned that you have pretty good knowledge of Texas Tech. I mean, I'm looking at the box scores. You guys played Texas Tech twice. You actually beat them in Waco on your home floor in mid-January, but then in mid-February, about a month later, they got you pretty good, you know, in Lubbock. What do you make of Texas Tech? I mean, you know what it takes to beat them clearly. What do you make of Texas Tech, and are you surprised? I mean, heck, you guys played Gonzaga, right? Are you surprised that Texas Tech won that region, that Texas Tech is coming here to Minneapolis and playing in the Final Four? Well, first thing, I'm definitely not surprised. Um, I remember when we actually uh, played them in Lubbock, and we lost that game. I remember telling one of our other assistant coaches, I mean, I think this team, Texas Tech, could make it to the Final Four. Mm. Um, Chris just does such a great job with those guys. And defensively, I mean, they're, they're the best in the country. I mean, they just make it really tough for you to score and get easy baskets. And I think one of the biggest differences from their team now um, than the first time we played them is they're playing at a little quicker pace and uh, they're shooting the three ball a lot better. Um, so when when they hit shots from the outside, um, they're pretty tough to beat. Really, really, really good defensive team. I suppose it also helps to have a lottery pick, right? I mean, the Culver kid is unbelievably good. Like, I know a lot of Wolves fans, heck, sign me up, right? I mean, if the Wolves can get their hands on, on Jared Culver, I'm all for it. I mean, he is a really, really good player, isn't he? Very, very good player. And he's a great kid as well. I mean, we were recruiting him. Um, before he uh, actually committed to Texas Tech. He's a wonderful kid, wonderful family, um, but he does it all. He can defend, he's long, uh, he draws fouls, he can finish at the rim, um, and he's shooting the ball better this year than he, than he did last year. So um, with him leading the way, uh, they definitely, he's, he's their go-to guy, and uh, he makes big plays for them down the stretch. Did you foresee this sort of brilliance, this sort of greatness? I mean, how far back did you did you recruit him? I mean, was it his sophomore year in high school, junior year in high school? So, I mean, are we going back about three, four years? Did uh, you junior, see this sort of stardom? Junior year in high school, um, well, he's always had a really good work ethic, and um, he's really had um, uh, a nose for the ball defensively. But I think um, since he got to Texas Tech, 
Chris and his staff has done a great job with putting on strength. I mean, he's, he's gained some weight, and I think uh, his ball handling has really, really improved. Um, so I think that's kind of allowed him to do a better job of, of getting to the basket and uh, getting separation when he's uh, on the offensive end. How do you size up this matchup with Michigan State? I mean, you're right. I mean, Texas Tech has been shooting the ball better of late, but Michigan State can defend. I do wonder if we'll see a stretch of like four, five, six minutes where maybe Texas Tech doesn't score against that Spartans defense. Well, I think it's going to be a, a great game. I mean, you have two of the best coaches um, in college basketball. Um, they kind of mirror each other. With um, They're both really, really tough teams, tough-minded teams, um, tough defensive teams. Um, so it could be, but also they're very good offensive teams. Um, both coaches run a lot of good good sets and a lot of good uh, offensive action. So that can be, I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, it could be a shootout and it could be uh, a defensive struggle just because both of those teams are, are so good on both ends of the floor. How well do you know Chris, Chris being Chris Beard, the head coach at Texas Tech? I mean, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, they might just now know the name, but those in college basketball have known his his excellence for a while. Well, you know, I, we, we've got a chance to know him the last few years, and I'll tell you what, I think he's, he's an unbelievable guy, a uh, stand-up guy. Uh, he's always great with our staff um, and very, very polite, but, you know, just a great guy. I mean, he does a wonderful job with his guys, and, um, you know, he's he made it tougher on us since he's <laughs> – since he's got to conference, um, Texas Tech is, is, is a tough team to play um, every time that you play them now, and uh, that's a credit to him and his staff for doing such a such a great job with those guys. Even after Gonzaga got you guys, you still were not surprised about Texas Tech making it no. to the Final Four? You had Texas Tech beating Gonzaga in the Elite Eight? No, I, I won't say I had them beating them, but I, I, I did think that they could beat them. Um, I thought Gonzaga... Um, was one of the best offensive teams, if not the best offensive team in the tournament. I mean, they just had so many weapons. But if if there was one team that I thought could give them a little bit of trouble, um, it was Texas Tech just because they defend so well. And if you're not used to playing them and their scheme and how they do things, it, it can be a difficult it can be a difficult first game matchup against them. So um, I definitely knew it was going to be a tough game. I didn't necessarily know if they were going to win, but I thought it would be close. You think too many people, Jared, are sleeping on Texas Tech? I mean, heck, I'm even guilty. I mean, earlier in this podcast, I predicted Michigan State, Virginia, that those two teams will meet for the national championship on Monday. So, I mean, do you feel like that they're still flying under the radar to some degree? Um, maybe a little bit. I, you know, actually, I'm not sure because I think, you know, Gonzaga was such a good team and. Um, they did such a good job as far as uh, dictating the tempo of the game and, and how they defended them. And if you remember earlier in the season, uh, real early in the season, they played Duke really well. And uh, Duke had to had to fight and, and, and scratch and claw to get that one. So, I mean, they've always been able to play um, some of the better game, better teams tough. And, I mean, heck. Um, again, I think. Go ahead. I mean, heck, think about Michigan right in the Sweet 16. I mean, Michigan, for for a long stretch earlier in the season, was ranked one. They were ranked consistently in the top five. I mean, Michigan was a legit two seed. I mean, they not only beat Michigan, Jared, they destroyed Michigan. Well, like I said, I mean, in Michigan, I mean, they're a great offensive team uh, as well. So, again, if if you haven't played them um, and you haven't experienced 
just how good they are defensively, it, it can be a, it can be a long night. Because um, Chris and his staff, I mean, they do a great job, and those guys play tough and and they play together. And it's it's a difficult matchup if you haven't if you haven't seen it before. We're talking with Jared Nunes, who's on the Baylor staff, Hopkins High School class of what was it, nineteen ninety seven? You coached in the Metro first stretch where Park Center, Bloomington Kennedy, and you've been down in Waco for what eight nine years now. It's been a while since you've been in Waco. Yeah, going on going on ten years. I mean, does it feel like 10 years in Waco? It, uh, a little bit. A little <laughs> bit. I, I'm getting used to it. I mean, people start trying to call me a Texan, but I, I say, no, 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 I'm from the Midwest. I'm always going to be a Midwest boy. How do you size up the other semifinal matchup, Virginia against Auburn? Oh, wow, that's a great style matchup. I mean, you got Auburn who likes to play fast, and they play small, and they really get up and down, and, shoot threes and get to the basket and Virginia uh, Tony does a great job uh, with just controlling pace and um, a really really good defensive team a little bit more selective on offense so um, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting matchup I mean I like when you have two different teams that got two different styles because sometimes it can really make for a great game are you a believer with all this experience in the final four that you need to have some experience that the one-and-done idea just doesn't work? Not that it can't work, but for the most part, it just doesn't work? Well, I won't say it doesn't work. I just think it's always um, an added advantage when you have experience. I mean, I think there's no better replacement um, than experience. Guys that have, have been in the NCAA tournament and, and guys that have had a chance to uh, – to make long runs in the tournament um, because there's a there's a bunch of different factors that go into it, um, you know, nerves and um, excitement, um, uh, execution. I mean, there's so many things that, that experience um, makes up for. So I definitely think it's, it's an added bonus, but I don't think that um, it can't be done uh, winning with guys with going one and done. You're not a Texan. You're a Minnesotan. How happy, how proud are you to – to know that that this will be the center of the college basketball universe this weekend. Um, I'm extremely extremely excited. I mean, Minnesota is obviously it's, it's a wonderful state, uh, great people. Uh, it's where I'm from, and I'm always happy to have um, you know our state representing um, any any sporting event because you know we're we're a great state, we're a proud state, and it's always a wonderful uh, wonderful experience. I'm a little disappointed. Uh, that my cousin uh, Trey Jones at Duke uh, that they didn't get there, but mm-hmm. uh, you know I'll still because I plan on coming back home this weekend. But I was hoping that uh, they would make it, but fortunately they uh, they didn't. So, but anyway, it's still going to be a great event, and I'm excited and look forward to it. I mean, how much did you feel for Trey? Right? I mean, the CBS camera captured him. I mean, they knew, right? I mean, they knew the obvious storyline that Trey was trying to get back home trying to get to U.S. Bank Stadium. So as soon as that game ended, the loss to Michigan State, I mean, the camera was right there square, you know, and he's obviously bawling his his eyes out. Yeah, it was tough. It was tough um, emotionally for me to see that. Um, I, you know, obviously Trey uh, and I are close and our whole family's close. And just to see, I, I know how hard he works, and how much he was looking forward to coming home and, uh, playing the Final Four in Minnesota, but you know he had a wonderful year. He has nothing to be ashamed of, and uh, their team had a great year. And unfortunately, um, you know it's one game, one night. But uh, I still think that uh, you know they had a great team, and 
you know, he's got a really, really bright future, and I'm I'm just really proud of him. It's another reminder that your other cousin, Trey's older brother, Tyus, I mean, just how, how remarkable his accomplishment was, the run that him and Duke went on a few years ago. I mean, heck, they steamrolled pretty much all the way to the championship game. Wisconsin offered some resistance, and then your cousin hits hits the big shot, Tyus Stones and all that. And it's just a reminder, right, Jared, that in a one-and-done format, crazy things happen, right? I mean, Central Florida probably should have should have eliminated Duke in the round of 32, or maybe Virginia Tech should have eliminated Duke in the Sweet 16. I mean, it's just it's such a slim margin, right? It's it's such a slim margin between victory and defeat. Absolutely. I mean, that's why they call it March Madness, to be honest, because it's, it's just a one-game playoff. And, um, you know, any given day, you know, a team can beat you if they're, they're shooting well and the other team isn't shooting well. And, um, you know, again, that, I think that's what creates the excitement of the tournament. Is it's a, it's a one game playoff, and uh, you know Tyus has always been a guy that you know ever since he was little, it's just he makes big shots. He's he's a big game player, and uh, obviously that was a wonderful experience for him, and and for him to win a national championship as a freshman. I mean, not too many people can say they've done that. So, I mean, what an accomplishment that was, and our whole family was so proud of him. I'll leave you with this. I mean, the other part of March Madness is the coaching carousel. How much are you paying attention to? to all the happenings, including Fred Hoiberg landing at Nebraska. Yeah, you know, I mean, around this time, you know, it's always, you're always curious to see uh, the moving parts and um, guys kind of uh, moving on from different jobs and and unfortunately people being let go. But, you know, uh, that's just the nature of our business. And, you know, you, you, you wish the best for everybody and you hope that everybody has success. But, you know, unfortunately, it's just, it's not that way sometimes, but, it is interesting to see, you know, as, as guys take on new jobs and, and new situations and new programs to see where uh, people end up. Jared Newness on the Baylor staff. Jared, thank you so much for doing this and safe travels back home here this weekend. Darren, I appreciate it. Thanks. One of the great high school players in Minnesota in the 90s. I mean, you think of Khalid Alamine, you think of Jabbar Washington, you think of Joel Prisbilla, but certainly Jared Nunes, all his accomplishments at Hopkins High School. Then he went on to play collegially at Valparaiso and went into coaching. Now at Baylor for just about the last 10 years, he is a fixture in Waco. He is a fixture in the Big 12. Jared Nunes from Baylor University working under head coach Scott Drew. When we come back here on the Scoop podcast, I will empty out my notebook. Welcome back. Final segment of the Scoop Podcast here on the all-new Score North. Score with a K, 1500 AM on your conventional radio dial. Before I get to some news and notes, I defer to my colleague on the TV side, Chris Long. He caught up with Ryan Saunders, Wolves interim head coach. In my mind, soon-to-be Wolves full-time head coach. Chris caught up with Ryan yesterday. Ryan's dad, Flip, was incredibly close to Tom Izzo of Michigan State. Ryan has gotten closer to Tom over the years, certainly since Flip's passing. Chris talked to Ryan about his relationship with the Michigan State head coach, who, who knows, could be a national champion yet again come late Monday night. About your relationship with Coach Izzo, and, yeah. and it's got to be exciting for you to see him here this weekend in your hometown. Yeah, yeah. He actually, he actually called me before they were taken off yesterday. Um, when he was on the plane and I, I was in you know American Airlines Arena in, in Dallas 
and uh, and I quickly excused myself from my coach's office yeah. to go to go uh, chat with him. Um, and he, uh, you know, he's excited to come here, and he, um, yeah, he he's just he's just a good. He's been great for me uh, as a you know as a mentor, um, especially since my father passed. Um, just says a lot about his character. So um, you know, you always want great things to happen to great people. Rooting for the Spartans, man. Uh, I can't help can't help but not root, root for them. Um, I have a lot of respect for all the other teams, though, in terms of um, what they've done. And you know, it's fun seeing a couple teams that have not been here um, in the Final Four. And um, you know, I have uh, mutual um, friends with uh, their friends with Coach Bennett. So we've had a little bit of contact. Uh, so it, you know, it's um, it, it's it's a small world. As a coach, what makes Izzo such a great coach? You know, I think it's I think it's his. He's genuine, and I, I know there's there's always talk of you know f being a fiery personality, you know, in college and just things like that. But it's all it all comes from a good place, and there, there's a reason that players always want to play for him, and he's here in the Final Four, and um, I think that that we can take a lot from him as coaches, and especially young coaches as well, as one holding players accountable um, in this day and age, and everybody has their own way of doing it, and. Um, you know, one of the biggest things he told me when I took over here with the Timberwolves is um, to be yourself. And uh, that's one thing I've learned from him, and, and he always stays true to himself, which I really appreciate and love him for. That is fantastic that Tom Izzo is, in many ways, serving as a mentor for Ryan Saunders. I remember running into Flip and Tom Izzo at Robbinsdale Cooper High School in New Hope a handful of years ago as Tom was there watching Rashad Vaughn. Continuing the basketball theme in no particular order, Todd Chekovich, who is a scout for the Wolves, was at McAllister on Thursday watching the Reese's all-star practices, the two rosters. I was told there were about 10 to 15 scouts there, 10 to 15 teams represented. Obviously, the Wolves are going to be represented with the festivities here in town. I was told that five foot nine guard Chris Clemens of Campbell was the best player on the floor. Well, there's smoke. Will there be fire? What I'm talking about is the the Richard Patino Arkansas chatter. My sense is that Arkansas would have to swing and miss on at least one other candidate before making an offer to Richard Patino. Would Richard Patino accept an Arkansas offer? Here's what I can lay out that Patino would love a contract extension. He would love for his buyout to go up because Patino knows that he is not guaranteed two seasons from now. What Richard Patino is guaranteed as Gophers coach is the 2019-2020 season. Richard Pitino is not guaranteed the 2020-2021 season. So if he could secure a five- or six-year deal from some other university, heck, I could not fault him. He has to look out for his well-being and his family. Now, the Gophers did get a commitment earlier this week from Sam Freeman, a big man out of the Fort Worth, Texas area. Virginia Tech was sort of also in the mix, but Buzz Williams at the same time was on his way to Texas A&M. TCU allegedly was in the mix. I was told that TCU TCU pretty much backed off TCU right there in Fort Worth, backed off of Freeman. That being said, I've heard some good things about Freeman, that it will take some time, that the expectation should not be that Sam Freeman will come in and help a ton next year. But I was told by a coach that has watched him a bunch of times that he feels like Freeman eventually, with time, can be a really good rebounder. So this late in the process, it seems like a pretty good get by the Gophers, landing Sam Freeman. Also on the recruiting front, Tajante Williams, a small forward out of Chicago, will take an official visit to the Gophers. 
Rutgers in early May. He will also visit New Mexico, and he will visit Texas A&M in the month of April. One other recruiting note, Rob Jeter, Gophers assistant coach, checked in with Good News Capagle, the Kansas State transfer. He played his high school ball for Damian Johnson at North St. Paul. It is that time of the year. Transfers galore. Graduate transfers who are eligible right away. Other transfers. When it's all said and done, the list will be like four to 500 players. It's like free agency in college basketball. So the Gophers, like every program in the country, are active on that front. Some other hoops notes. Former Gopher Jordan Murphy has been invited to the Portsmouth Draft Pre-Draft in this case. Invitational. It begins April 17th in Portsmouth, Virginia. Every NBA team, including the Wolves, will have representation there. He just got the invite the other day, and he will be there. Unfortunately, selfishly, I have enough NBA contacts. I would have loved to have heard about Reed Travis battling Jordan Murphy, but Reed Travis, Minneapolis native, De La Salle High School, so close to being here this weekend with the Kentucky Wildcats. Reed is declining his Portsmouth invitation, I am told. He's back in Palo Alto. Remember, he got his degree from Stanford. Continuing his training, getting a little R&R, then continuing his training, ramping things up for the draft combine in Chicago in May. So unfortunately, Reed Travis won't be at Portsmouth, but many good players will, including Jordan Murphy on Amir Coffee. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that Richard Coffee, Amir's dad, was on this podcast a couple weeks ago and he said verbatim that Amir would test the NBA draft waters. The date to keep an eye on is May 29th. That's when Amir has to decide whether he'll go back to the U for a senior season or remain in the draft. I don't know which way he will go. I think a lot of fans are just presuming because he won't get drafted that he'll end up back at the U. And sure, getting his degree, maybe being the Big Ten Player of the Year next year, has some appeal. But I also think kickstarting his pro career has some appeal. If he could get a promise from an NBA team for a two-way contract, I think that would have some appeal. So it all comes down to him working out for some teams. He will work out for teams over the next six, seven weeks. Then he'll get feedback. So it's very, very early in the process. Put it that way. Let's let this story play out. We don't know if Amir Coffey will be back for a senior year with the Gophers. It comes down to, in many ways, what feedback he gets from many NBA teams. And keep in mind, his dad, Richard, has all sorts of NBA contacts. So it remains to be seen. Story still to be told. I know everybody, especially on social media, likes to jump the gun. But I can just tell you, nothing has been decide overall on Amir. The deadline to watch is May 29th. Quickly on the Twins, every time I turn my head, some pre-arbitration player or arbitration player is signing an extension, but I'm told nothing is close. This was on Wednesday, but nothing is close on Jose Barrios and the Twins reaching an agreement on a contract extension. Presumably one day they will. I think Barrios will be here for a long time, but right now nothing is close between the two sides. I'm Bruce Boudreaux. I see him back. He has one year left on his coaching contract that will pay him just under $3 million. The vibe from ownership from Craig Leopold is he doesn't feel like this year is Bruce's fault, that the Matt Dumba injury derailed the season, that the Miko Koivu injury also helped derail the season. So unless something drastically changes, I do see Boudreaux back next year as the Wilds head coach. Okay, on the Vikings, no particular order. Kicker Nick Rose will be in on Tuesday for a tryout. He was really good in the AAF, 14 for 14 on field goal attempts, including a 50-yarder. Dan Bailey's contract, a reminder, is structured as such, where the Vikings are going to bring in some kicker, whether it's 
Rose or somebody else. They will sign some kicker to compete with Bailey in training camp and into the preseason. There isn't much in terms of money that the Vikings would have to eat. In fact, they could offset the entire contract if they cut Bailey if another team picked him up. So Dan Bailey, while the favorite, will have competition come July into August to be the Vikings kicker. So we'll wait and see if they make a move on Rose. But we do know, I can tell you, that Rose will be in for a tryout on Tuesday. Adam Schefter noted that quarterback Brandon Silvers, also from the AAF, and now in the rearview mirror AAF, the whole league blew up, but Brandon Silvers, a quarterback, will also be in next week for a tryout. Andre Dillard, the Washington State left tackle, although he did play some right tackle at the Senior Bowl, I'm told he will be in for a pre-draft visit with the Vikings next week. He is a first-round talent. Looking at the draft board, I can just tell you, based on these offensive linemen taking all sorts of visits, that the work that these teams did at the Combine, that there's a bunch of teams in front of the Vikings that have their eyes on offensive linemen. The Broncos, the Bengals, the Redskins, the Falcons, the Panthers. Also, right behind the Vikings, picking at pick 19, right behind the Vikings, the Tennessee Titans have done all sorts of homework on offensive linemen. I still foresee the Vikings taking an offensive lineman early in the draft. Will it be a pick 18 or pick 50? Keep in mind, the Vikings are going to take a tight end. I am telling you that. Noah Fant was in town earlier this week, the Iowa tight end. He's a first-round type talent. The Vikings had a formal interview with him at the Combine. It is clear the Vikings really like Noah Fant. Now, I don't have the Vikings draft board in front of me. Let's say Andre Dillard and Noah Fant are on the board. I don't know who they prefer. I'm just telling you, based on them doing all sorts of homework on tight ends at the Combine, also Jay Sternberger of Texas A&M was in town for a visit, the tight end from San Jose State, Oliver was in for a visit. I'm just telling you, at some point, the Vikings are going to take a tight end, if I had to bet, before Friday is over. So in the first three rounds, I would bet that the Vikings end up with a tight end. I still foresee an Adam Thielen extension happening, and when they extend Adam Thielen, I see them creating cap space for 2019, although I'm told nothing is imminent as of today, Friday, April 5th. But something to keep an eye on as we move forward. The Vikings extending Adam Thielen. A bunch of guys were in Atlanta throwing with Kirk Cousins earlier this week. Kyle Rudolph, Tyler Conklin, Laquan Treadwell, Jeff Baudet, Chad Beebe. So they got some work in before everything ramps up in Egan on April 15th. Cousins now back here in the Twin Cities this weekend. He has a couple church speeches. Then he'll connect and watch his Michigan State Spartans in the final four. All right, we're up against the clock. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 218. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.